I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. Ben Colloy is a life coach for veterans and business consultant. As a Marine, Ben used the mantra, nothing lasts forever to weather storm after storm and challenge after challenge, finding joy in the journey of service. Ben loves to connect with others and uses his vast knowledge of processes to enhance every environment that he finds himself in. Ben is a husband and father who loves to remind people that loving those who you love the most is also a metric of deep happiness and success. You can connect with Ben at Ben Colloy on Twitter or head over to his website, bencolloy.com. Let's get started. First question, what would you say to your younger self right as you were entering your military service? It's an interesting question because I've reflected on this point a lot. And uh, this question kind of goes back to maybe how I got to where I was at before I entered my military service because I was just about ready to go to the Air Force because I wanted to do computers. And I had connected the Air Force with computers and I wanted to do that. And it seemed like a, a no brainer. The recruiter came over to my house. We had the, everything almost ready, getting almost ready to go to MEPS. And then we had a church picnic over the weekend. And uh, the Marine recruiter was there doing a bouncy house. And my mom wanted me to explore my options. So she went over there and talked to him first. I didn't even have the, the balls to go over there and talk to him. And I looked at the Marines, but I thought Marines were just a bunch of grunts and I didn't want to be a, a grunt. And so I kind of mm. just didn't even give them the time of day. And so next thing that week, I was talking to the recruiter in the counselor's office. And two weeks later, I was raising my right hand for the Marine Corps. So it completely gave me a, a complete shift or a challenge. In some cases, I did it because I, I was almost fearful of saying no to the recruiter because he was kind of intimidating, but in a good way. And it was really about proving something to myself. I was the guy that I went with probably four people in my class, and I was the least guy likely to join the Marine Corps, but I did it. And the entire time, it was a constant overcoming of perseverance. So what I would go back and tell myself is push harder than what you think you can. Because many times I had maybe a, a weak mindset of I would push as far hard as the, the drill instructor needed me to, but I didn't necessarily go further to push past my comfort zone. I think back to where I am now and then that the advice that I would give myself is to answer the question. The magic happens when you're outside the comfort zone. So the, while you're in the Marine Corps or any branch of service, push past because that's where the magic and where you're going to find places in your, inside yourself that you never knew existed. And the more you live outside that comfort zone, theoretically, the more you discover of really who you are and what you're capable of. I like that. And I know that we all can benefit from being reminded to find your comfort zone and just live outside of it. My question now is, would your younger self have taken that advice in that moment? I know you shared that you accepted that challenge of joining the Marines and having a successful career. However, if you had approached your younger self with the same advice, take your eyes off the Air Force, go for the bigger challenge, the Marines, would you have been able to just accept that? Coming from myself, probably not. I had very mm -hmm. low self-confidence, so I wouldn't have trusted even a future version of myself knowing maybe what to do. I would have trusted probably 
anyone outside my circle. I generally had a lot of adult mentors and I easily adapted to the mentors that I had and I was learning from them and trying to, to surround myself with them. So I think another person giving that advice, I would have accepted it. But if it was me giving it, I probably would have ignored it. There's maybe something that would have seen no, because I was also a know-it-all, even if I didn't have the confidence to know what I, I needed to know. Got it. Got it. Now, given your experience, your service, when you get to share with someone who's thinking about serving, where do you usually start that conversation? Sometimes the most of the people that I ran into is when, is whether I almost see more potential before people have decided to serve than I run into people that are serving. And a lot of it comes down to a lack of identity. Like they feel like they don't know who they are into the world. And I feel the military, all branches help instill their identity on you for one. But then also at the end of it, when they let go of their identity on you, that's when your identity really gets to come through. I would really challenge that person to to think past the moment that they're in now in some cases but then also remember to live in the moment that not to get lost in the what ifs of joining because mm -hmm. there's a thousand of them and there's a thousand things that can go wrong and sometimes there's a thousand things you'll hate but there's always those bright spots and there was moments where if you asked me how i liked my career in the marine corps i would have said i, I liked being a marine but i hated the corps that was that mindset at the moment. But looking back, even what the core was doing from a point of view that I, did, I disliked it, it was still something of value that in the moment you don't necessarily see it, but in the future you will. It's hard to, to see that. So I, the advice I would give people thinking about or maybe in the, in the delayed entry program uh, going through is believe in yourself. Know that there is something in you that you haven't yet found and that will come out. And even if you don't know what you're looking for, going on the journey is half the destination. Got it. I like that as well. Just allowing individuals to know that service matters and your service matters in a deeper way. I think what you said about that shaky area of lacking just enough confidence to believe that you're up to this task does maybe cause a lot of people to shy away from serving but I love how you connected it with like, you are what we need in this moment, but you have to look inside yourself to find that. Mm -hmm. And the recruiters that find it and see it and can grow that, those are the ones that are generally the most successful. The ones that mm. sell some version of money and education and all these things that are all benefits. In some cases, that's just the marketing of it, but it, people don't join for the marketing of the military. They join for the purpose of what the military is going to give them. And the, the ones that talk about that, the reality of what that purpose is, sometimes it's a bad purpose. Sometimes it's scrubbing a, a floor. Sometimes it's waxing a floor. Sometimes it's scrubbing oil off of an engine. That reality is what the, the truth that comes through that those recruiters have the, the most success. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nice. Okay, one word answer. When I say military transitions, what one word comes to mind? Resume. Okay. Okay, that's new for me. <laughs> Let's unpack that. What brought that to mind and what's the deeper concept there? It probably has to go back to the training that the Marine or the military puts you through, the program that you go through for a week before you get out to become a civilian again. The one mm -hmm. thing I remember most about that, there was two things. Wear a suit to every interview no matter what because that says who you are and you only get one chance for a first impression and you want to, being in the military, you want to show that you are above the rest on every cut and the suit does that. 
I remember when I first got out, the first place I went and performed my interview was I went to the men's warehouse and I said, give me a suit. And I paid 400 bucks for it. I still have that suit today. And that suit got me that interview. It was my first job and I was only unemployed for two weeks. And the resume mm -hmm. part was the resume is what's going to get you the interview. The resume is how are you transitioning what you have today? And most veterans come out of the military thinking they have something and then the world tells them, well, you're not what we want. And then they get frustrated and end up doing something completely different just to make money. But the resume is truly how you take the skills that you have, tailor them to something within the civilian workforce and get that. I've, as a hiring person in business today, I've looked at so many resumes. If anything, they're all just the same. There's no story that comes through. There's no emotional impact on me that this guy gets it, that this guy has pushed through and made different things happen when people happen. And that's your resume is the only thing you have to sell yourself to someone trying to get you. So the resume is one of the single most important things. If you are trying to go into a career and then maybe you're trying to go somewhere else, but if you're trying to go into a career and just get a job, that resume is the single most important. Even as resources that happen are out there now, there are so many online resume critique websites that you can go to that you can pay them 400 bucks to either help you write a resume, to work on your LinkedIn profile, all of those things. There's so many resources out there, not necessarily focused on veterans, unfortunately, but they are out there that if you look for them, that that resume can be the best selling tool to launch you. And then because every day you're out of the military, you're essentially that much less likely to remember all the things in, that you do have because you weren't doing them anymore. And that resume is your best thing to remember them and tell that story to the employer. Wow. I think you covered the perception and also the application of successfully creating, utilizing, and updating a resume. And you touched on having your LinkedIn profile as well as a part and extension of your resume. Can you talk about what you've seen and why so many people especially transitioning service members, beyond the struggle of the resume, why do you feel that many really would say, I don't need a polished resume or to make having a resume a higher priority than they actually placed it? One word answer, ego. Oh, wow. Wow. I, th I think the, the all branches of the military, you're ingrained with the primary principle that you are the best and even when you're in the military, you probably can know that you're not the best. But when you're outside, when you're a civilian, we all, almost all of them have some type of ego that comes through that they try to walk around, like that we know stuff. And when you come out, it's, it's very hard for that ego to let go. And one of the first switches that you need to turn off is that ego. And the second switch that you need to turn on, which doesn't really help you a lot in the military, is humility. That you have to be humble to what you're walking into. And if you're not humble, you're not going to be able to experience and then also grow your brand and your LinkedIn profile, your resume, those are your brand. Those are the only version of someone's story that you're going to get. And a couple of things that employers are going to do, they're going to Google your name, see if they find some full Facebook profile. And if you're a veteran transitioning out, most likely you've got one. And your LinkedIn profile, I always try to get that picture. That picture on LinkedIn is going to be the one that I'm like, this guy looks like someone I could be friends with. I want to know more about him. And as I read his bio, that's what you're going to, it's, it's your brand. If you want something special to come through of who you are, your secret sauce, your resume and your uh, LinkedIn profile are the only good ways for an employer to really identify that veterans have something that other ones don't. And mm -hmm. those are your two methods of primary story to tell that. And you need to have it right. And you need to have it you to be authentic as well. And I love how you touched on ego, 
bravado, and ultimately a bit of fear of the unknown causes so many to reject a process and a very simple truth about putting your best foot forward with their resume, their online profile, and just connecting with those who can lead, mentor, and coach them in this new process. Now, tell us about what you do now and why did this work find you? Uh, it's kind of a long answer. Even in high school, I was in the FFA, uh, Future Farmers of America, or National FFA organization. And even there, I had a mindset of become more than I could be. And with that, what I mean by that is no matter what role I had, I never had a black and white definition of that. I was always simultaneously learning things around me and becoming smarter and better and learning other people's jobs and, and areas of information because those are all skill sets. And the more versatile you are, the more of a utility player you can be. And the same way was in the Marine Corps. I ended up doing a whole bunch of different billets and not even really doing them, but like working with them. And that mindset allowed me from high school in the military and even my first job that I landed outside the military working in a for tech support in a generator manufacturer because I was a generator technician in the Marine Corps. That mindset, I learned how to work with parts. I learned how to work with parts orders, warranty, training. Any area that I could get my hands on, I would devour that information. I never could get enough information around me. And that made me a very good utility player in a lot of different ways. And then I could be resourceful. In this case, the customer. The customer wouldn't have to get transferred. I would be the guy that could answer all their questions. And I was that much more beneficial because the best way to play ahead of the game of getting laid off or any of those scenarios that can happen once you're out of the military is you make yourself so valuable that letting you go is the worst idea that they've ever had. Mm. And that has kind of got me to where I am today. When I left that place, I came to another place doing tech support. And that company that I'm at now, has allowed me to change and they create an environment that allows you to change in a way that you get to grow into your own way. And I started there as tech support. I became the supervisor. I started working on some training stuff. And then I, even there I transitioned into what I started way back in the beginning of a love of computers. And then I was doing it stuff and I was doing business systems, understanding how processes work. I've always had a superpower for seeing problems and identifying what a business problem is and identifying an IT problem and being the middleman because IT guys don't like talking business and business guys don't like talking IT. And so I was always good in the middle and I was kind of working my resume almost that way. And that's kind of what I do now with uh, being in the middle between business and IT. And even now I've even taken another angle that throughout all my, probably the last 10 years, I've always had a, a knack for documentation or publishing. I was a technical writer at my previous career and I like things visually. So I've also now taken a role within marketing communications and marketing and developing some skills there that I generally, when people ask me what I do, I usually don't give a, a simple answer. I usually just shorten it and say, I'm a Swiss army knife for business because <laughs> I've, cre I've created this, this multi-use tool that I can, the only thing I can't do is write a check. And the moment I write a check, then that's I can almost do everything. So I've really just created myself to understand the world around me because the more you understand around me, the more you can see patterns, the more that you can see how things are happening, the more you can see things and get them fixed. Problems are one of the, the hardest things for a lot of people to see. Sometimes I can see a problem very quickly that other people can't, especially emotional ones. I can see them right, right away. And those problems are some of the hardest things for people to see. So the more information you have, the more visibility and clarity you have 
And in this case, for me, it, it comes into my life as self-awareness. Self-awareness is something that I, I value huge for myself. And all right, I continue to grow that self-awareness because you can, it's, um, it's like when you talk about AA, that you can't, come and not, you can't quit drinking unless you first admit that you are an alcoholic. And so even if I'm not able to fix everything that I can see, just being admitting a thought problem to myself, maybe I, I'm not good at a resume, but saying that out loud and not lying to myself, that allows me to identify the problem and then I can work my way forward. And gathering all those skills through my career has allowed me to see more problems than, and which has allowed me to kind of move into this role with veterans of where I want to consult them with their, their businesses. I've, I'm a sponge for knowledge, so I've got all these different perspectives. And people can give me an idea and give me a few data points, and I can generally spit something back for business. So maybe some resources or some ideas, or I can just come up with a completely different way to think about it. And usually it starts with questions. Questions are um, a huge way that I use to leverage my career and uh, my momentum. There's a good quote that I like. don't remember who says it, but the power of your questions will determine the quality of your life. And or the quality of your questions will determine the quality of your life. And the better questions you ask, that the better answers you can derive to figure out what maybe you can't figure out as well. Yeah, yeah. I like how you wrap that up. Let's say your top three questions that you challenge with veteran business owners or even the veterans that you life coach, what top three questions are ones that you would say are quality questions that enhance the quality? of a moment, which ultimately means it will enhance the quality of their lives. There's a book that I've recently read that I'm working on where I'm working. It's called The Advantage by Patrick Lucioni. I love this book because it doesn't talk about being smart in business. It talks about being happy in business. And it talks about that being smart in business is extremely hard these days. Everybody can be almost as equally as smart as anyone else. But the difference, the real advantage in this, that's what the thesis of this book is, that the real advantage is your healthy organization. So like the great questions that this book lays out are, why does your business exist? What do we actually do? What is our purpose? How do we behave? What's most important? Because those questions create the foundation of the organization. An example that this book uses is Southwest Airlines. And if anybody's ever flown Southwest Airlines, you know that there's something different in the water at Southwest that doesn't exist at United, Delta, or American. And their purpose is to connect people to the most important event in their lives, which is why the person within that travel is the most important thing they do every day, which is why they try to connect with that person on every level that they can. How would they behave? They don't hire anybody that doesn't have a sense of humor. So these questions are the almost the fundamental for any business moving forward because almost all questions can derive of it if you talk about a what we do question having a clear what we do gives you out of bounds it's like a mission statement as well most mission statements they're good maybe when you're a big corporation for the public but internally what they do for you is they create out of bounds markers if you don't have a clear mission this is another good question that i would lead off with that they find that a lot of them don't have clarity on what their mission is because without a mission every idea is a good idea and if every idea is a good idea you're automatically most likely going to find places that you completely lost focus on why you started. And if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to get struggling and you're going to leave that comp that you're at that safe zone or where you wanted to be at, where your passion was, your drive. And you're going to look back six months and you're like, how the heck did I get here? And mm -hmm. it, it goes back to that clear mission, that clear identified mission for 
why you exist to make sure that you know who you are and that every idea is evaluated against these kind of anchor points because they're, they're the foundation of anything that you want to build on top of it. And if you bring people in, these questions are how you get people to rally around what you want to do because they want to be passionate. There's a, a marketing program by Simon Sinek that he says that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And this is why Apple is successful. They don't sell computers to people. They sell what they do or they sell why they do it and people just buy what they do. They don't even really mm. care that they sell Apple or watches and computers. People are excited about what Apple does and why they do it. And then they'll buy anything that Apple makes. They'll buy an Apple hairdryer just because they understand that Apple does it because of what they do. And it's why <laughs> like, this, the other computers companies like Dell and, and HP, they sell computers and they want you to buy a computer based on the teachers. I have no idea what, why HP and Dell build computers, but I can tell you Apple does it because they want to think differently. They want to challenge the status quo. I love attaching myself to those types of companies that are willing to be bold and do things differently. One phrase in business that comes up a lot that I've, I hear in some cases as an organization changes, it'll be like, the worst thing you can say is, well, that's how we've always done it. Mm. Why, why, why change it? Those are the worst phrases you could ever use in business because that means that you're okay staying the same. And if you're not changing tomorrow, then you're most likely not growing. There's a, a post that I read a long time ago about Amazon, that Amazon's culture is a day one mentality, that every day is the first day they've ever opened. And the second day, if you have a second day mentality, then you're starting to settle. And every idea that was on the second day can be thrown out from the first. And so every day they can reinvent themselves. And no matter how much they invested in something, if it was a bad idea on day one, they would throw it out. And that's how they can constantly move forward. And in some cases, they're not that profitable if you look at their numbers, but they're able to do huge amounts of, of innovation in lots of different ways and to grow in areas that you're like, how can a bookstore company that used to sell stuff online be the cloud server competitor of the United States? That, right, right. Because they have that day one mentality that every day is the first day we've opened and every day can be a good idea if they have the right mindset. So it's a similar of challenging and selling why they do it, not yeah. what they do. Yeah. Sorry for the long answer. No, 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 no. I think you touched on many key points. I love that you touched on business culture, life culture, and that deeper why mentality. And as I thought about it for veterans, for veteran business leaders, or just business leaders, I think many times we miss that we need to be reminded that we've become a bit complacent and that we have to return to those places of love and happiness and beauty. And as you mentioned, that day one mentality of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And as we embrace that passion, that energy, that truth, and step beyond the fear, we can truly shift culture, much like you mentioned Apple did and Amazon did. And I think if we apply that to our lives, our companies, and our day to day activities, we'll work in an energy and in happiness that keep us uh, locked in on our targets instead of drifting from day to day and losing the emotional connection to what we're doing. A reason where all this comes through is when you when I studied Southwest for this book, Southwest has been profitable every single year since 1979, and they've never adopted any of the standard things that the other airlines did. They don't charge bag fees. They don't charge change fees. And yet all through that stuff, all through 9-11, all through the economy downturns, Southwest has remained profitable, not because of how they do it, but why they do it. Because they do it because they inspire people. There's a veteran story that if you watch this video on Southwest, I actually got teary when I watched it, that there was a mom and a family that were, their husband was going back to Afghanistan. And the gate agent or the ticket agent in the very front 
of the airport said, hey, let me give you a, a pass so that you guys can go back to the gate and say goodbye. She did that all on her own. They never even asked because she could pick up that there was something wrong or that they were sad because he was leaving. And so they get to the gate and they say their goodbyes again. He's on the plane. They're crying, the family, and they're sad. And the gate agent says, is there anything I can do? And she, the mom's like, I don't know how you can make this better. My husband's leaving. Well, Southwest took this as a challenge in that moment, and the plane had like five minutes before takeoff. They actually talked to the pilot, and the family actually got to go back onto the airplane and say mm. one last time goodbye to the, the soldier. And the plane all got excited, and everybody was happy and probably crying. Even say, repeating the story, I'm getting a little sad, or not sad, but teary. <laughs> uh, that those mo you, you've just created 200 customers for life in that moment. Yeah. And it was about because they figured out why they do it, that they do it to connect the people to the most important events in their lives. And that allows them to create the loyalty and all of those other things that go with the business that everybody else can kind of struggle if you focus on profits all the time. Yeah. And going back to veterans that I think this exists within ourselves, that if we don't understand as we enter into the market, we're going to be confronted with a world that says you need to conform to our world. And when a veteran conforms to their world, I think usually we lose a part of ourselves. And when we lose a part of ourselves, then we lost a part of our identity and we kind of drift through the next years of our life. Maybe even a decade you could lose drifting because the rest of the world says you need to adapt to our way. And in some cases, you do need to adapt. You can't yell at people. You can't do the types of the discipline type things you did in the military. But at the same time, when it comes to leadership, the most important part of what we got from the military that's the part that the other side is starving for. When they tell us as a veteran transitioning, we need to conform or you get the impression that you're not going to fit in unless you have a resume that looks like everybody else's or you do every, the same stuff and you talk in the same way. Maybe you will dress in the same way. You, you have to redefine and focus on that that leadership component is the best part of that story. And we need to make that the hero of the story of, of why we are going to exist in this civilian world. It's your mission that you want the veterans to identify themselves as the next great leaders of our century. And in order for that to happen, we have to be able to walk on fiery coals in this case, past the people that are telling us that you're different. We don't like you because in some cases it's moving past that comfort zone. It's going to feel uncomfortable. People are telling you that you need to be different. I, I would say I probably lost five years of thinking like a leader in the way that I needed to until probably recently three years ago, that it completely switched on. And now I recognize that my pursuit in life or my career is a passion and a mastery of leadership principles. Because I've realized that lots of people focus on the soft skills of, can you program a computer? Can you code an iPhone? Can you do all these different things? Can you weld? All of those things are important. But the skill that I recognize and where my passion or where my why came through was I have a passion for developing people. One of the main things that I forgot in the military and I had forgotten about it was my passion for taking some cases, Marines in this case, who had the Marines had given up on other staff NCOs and NCOs and kind of like, Oh, this guy's a bad duck. He's just bad egg. We're just going to maybe even be mean to him and just kind of beat him into submission. But those moments is where I thought I really found the most pride being a Marine because as a leader, you identify someone that has potential before they can see it in themselves. And if you can get that potential to come out, that's one of the most rewarding feelings that I used to have. I remember one of the last billets I had in the Marine Corps was a platoon sergeant. And that platoon sergeant role taught me that when you are in that mode of development, and in this case, kind of like worrying, sometimes you're a parent, sometimes you're, you're whatever you need them to, 
the Marine needs you to be. But at the same moment, when you're focused not on the other day-to-day stuff, your focus is on the Marines, that that allows you to have some type of purpose that is very unique. And I found mm-hmm. it very fulfilling. I only got to do it for six months, but man, I wish I could have had a whole career on it because <laughs> it was so fulfilling to know that you have an impact, to know that they, would, they left that day feeling better than they did before and that they're going to come back tomorrow and do something better than they did before. And as a leader, that's what you're doing. You're taking potential and you're growing it. And I've always known about myself that I can really learn anything. And anybody can learn anything. So even if you don't know anything about banking, you could become a leader in banking and figure out banking in usually about two days and what you need to know. But what's, what's struggling and what there's a complete vacuum for is leadership. I often joke that I'm allergic to bad leadership because it drives me nuts. It gives me goosebumps and it just irritates my skin because it's just like, that's just not how you do it. You don't treat people like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest, the hero within all veterans is we have potential that we can't forget we have. And that's why even when you're writing that resume and why I said resume was the most important because that's where you're going to remember what you had the most on that, in that moment of leaving that you're going to remember, I was an excellent leader. I remember these feelings. I remember what I loved about doing it. And it's going to come through in your resume and your LinkedIn profile. And those are what's going to be attractive to the market as we leave. Yeah. Wow. Now I know you touched on in a deep way, leadership as one of the values that you carry over from military service into your day-to-day life. What would you say is the other top value that really resonates with who you are and what you do every day? I would say to answer this question, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. That was a principle that I learned when we were in the Marine Corps. We, we had kind of an, our own ego with even the rest of the branches that we did it and it was done right and it, was, and it looked like it was supposed to at the end of that. And that that taught me, and I even had a staff sergeant at the time who instilled this into me, that if you're going to put your name on something, then your name's on that, and it needs to stand pride. That's why you're, when you're standing in uniform, why it needs to look right, because you represent that uniform, and your brand comes through in that moment. And everything you do has your own personal brand on it. If anything you touch looks like garbage, well, then that's your brand. So anything that you're willing to do and is worth doing, then it's always worth doing well and right. And I've tried to use that in business, that if I put my time in something that I want to do it right, and that allows you a kind of a clear kind of filter as well to know if I can't do it well or right, then in some cases, I don't want to necessarily do it. Because <laughs> what we struggle in, in this moment, or I, I know I personally have struggled this, that we, I, I've struggled as I entered the workforce. I used to say yes to everything because I just wanted to, it was kind of part of like trying to learn everything. I wanted to say yes to everything because I didn't want to miss an opportunity. But the counterbalance that I didn't realize so later in life was that for every yes, there's probably five no's that you're saying no to, but nobody ever measures the no's. We just get excited about the yeses. So in some cases I've struggled with, if it's worth doing well, it's worth doing right because I'll say yes to something. And then I've just said no to doing something well that I've already said a yes to. And so we really, I've also heard it said that uh, when you say yes to something, it should be a hell yes. And if it's not a hell yes, then you shouldn't put your name on it or you're not going to be passionate about it. And then you should let someone else worry about it Definitely. because that's really where it's going to come through for you. You're going to be motivated. You're going to be passionate, but if it's not a hell yes, then you're going to be saying no to something that you probably want to do, but you want to do also this, but you got to also counterbalance that. Right. Now looking at it through the lenses of employers looking to, 
hire staff or even partner with veterans, what do you generally say to them as they prepare to accept veterans, our leadership ability, our ability to serve leaders? What do you usually say to them to help them prepare? As an employer, I've never, at the place I've, places I've worked, I've never had the opportunity to hire a veteran. They've just never come through in the right way. But I would say for an employer, what I would say to them is veterans are some of the, a little bit like a millennial cliche, because there's lots of millennial cliches that were some of the worst people out there to hire. But what you don't hear often enough is that when you find the right millennial, they'll give you the world. If you find something that resonates with their, with why you exist, they'll give you the world twice on Sunday. The same exists for a veteran, that if you find the veteran, if you find the area, that they're going to give you that world in the same way. And you can't discredit them. You can't even look at them in the same mindset. And and the best advice I can probably give to the employer is look under the surface. Look past Mm -hmm. the interview. Because in some cases, it's not going to be our strong suit talking to people. And you're going to miss out on the potential that you could have because there is generally a diamond in the rough in some cases. In this case, getting out of the military is probably pretty rough. That that diamond in the rough is the one where if you are that leader looking for someone that's going to just propel this organization forward and challenge the status quo every day and try to think differently, a veteran is because we have to improvise, adapt, and overcome every day in the military. That no day is like the same and it's always thinking differently about how to solve a problem whether it's trying to take a hill if you're an infantry or whether you're trying to break into a building that there are ability as a veterans to think through a problem quickly fast rapidly and measure the outcomes and success and and execute that is our hidden potential and you're not going to see that come through in a resume because we're not going to necessarily be good at talking about it but it's part of our instinct we'll just do it naturally without even thinking Mm-hmm. So I would, I would challenge to look past the service of the interview, put that veteran in different modes, take them out to lunch, get to know them personally, because then what generally will let our guard down and maybe our ego, if they showed up and with an ego that you'll yeah. get to see yeah. like this person ha- does have value, but don't let them go through the normal process because you're going to miss out on something great. I like that. I really like that. I think you touched on just the framework to get beyond the cliches and communicate that we understand there's some values that you take to heart that I necessarily don't interact with interact with in everyday situations that as you come into my organization, you help take my organizational foundation to a higher level. So I like that you touched on that. Okay, now tell me about what books or even training programs or video series has impacted you the most that you would want to share with the Veterans Leadership blog podcast listeners? Couple different things. First, it's not as important to find the right book as it is to start. Some people get hung up, even myself, hung up on, am I reading the right book? Then my reading list gets 15 miles long and people start recommending books and you're just like, all these books can probably change my life, but how do you start and where do you start? And then you, you get overwhelmed. But the most important part is even if you don't know where to start, just simply taking the action of starting, whether it be a simple podcast, whether it be a simple uh, self-help book, or whether it be walking. I recently did the trips to Barnes and Noble and just looking through the self-help area and figuring out what titles resonated with me that I feel like I, I should work on the most. Um, I would say a couple of them that I would recommend to start with is because I touched on ego. There's a great book by Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy. And this book talks about how to 
to essentially turn off the ego and that that ego is what's going to get us into places we don't want to be. And it's going to also prevent us from seeing the places that we can go because of what we think we're too good for. Mm -hmm. Another great book for what we all struggle with, especially in the military, there's always such a high divorce rate. There's a great book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. This book is foundationally, fundamentally should be required for all marriages before coming through. And as you make the transition, you're going to be challenged both on your career trying to find a path, but then you're also going to be challenged with the family because you're going to have that pressure to, to, to keep your wife happy, to keep your kids happy, that this book, The Five Love Languages, is a game changer for to resetting your foundation of how you love the most important person in your life. Mm-hmm. The podcast that I would say I would recommend is The Good Dad Project. The Good Dad Project is a podcast that inspired me to where I am today. I found it last summer. It's by a guy, Larry Hagner. And this podcast teaches men about how to, to be better dads and then also just how to show up more in our careers as ourselves to essentially work on what we need to most. And I've been hooked on that podcast for mm-hmm. a year. Maybe for a little, I'll go a little bit for another recommendation. There's another podcast called Order of Man. That's a, another guy who really challenges who men are today and what we need to get back to. And he also has a great uh, community of Order of Men as well for a podcast. Nice, nice. I think you gave us some tips from get started to cherish your relationships. And, you know, if you're a father, you're a dad. I think you touched on just some core takeaways that our listeners can tap into communities that can help them build who they are so they can serve and love in the most important relationships in their life. So I think that was well said. Now, if you have some parting guidance or some wisdom for both service members, veterans, and those who love and support them, what would that be? I would say for everyone, in this case, for this advice, that if you're, and I struggled this as well, but when I found and listened to my own advice in this case, I found this essentially, this is my calling for the veterans as well, that if you're standing at the wall of fear, that if you're standing at something that scares the hell out of you, generally that's our flight or flight response kicking in of our brain wants us to feel safe. So it tells that this, this place that you're thinking of is scary and you shouldn't go there because we like this nice, warm, fuzzy that we're at now find a door and walk through because your destiny could be on the other side and it goes back to that comfort zone that the more you live outside the comfort zone the more you find doors through those fears the more you're going to discover a world that you've never even knew existed every time i listen to something i always or i learn something i'm like man where has this been all my life there's so much out there that until you walk through those doors of fear and push through that you're not going to define the magic zone. And every person has a different magic zone. But if, if you stay in, and you bounce back from fear, then you're going to, to always stay where exactly where you are. One of the myths that I've kind of pieced together is we've always, as a, a middle-class person, you always wonder, how do I get to be a millionaire? How do I get to be there? Well, they don't get there overnight, but they get there by doing things every day a little bit differently than everybody else. And they get there by doing things that scare them that if something makes them uncomfortable, that's usually when they resonate the most. They're like, okay, this is probably something because my brain says that I should be fearing it. And that's usually where the greatest things happen. A a personal story where this has happened for me, I I took this advice and recently I I wanted more friends in my life. I've got kids and I'm a busy dad, but I didn't have a lot of men in my life that I could spend time with. And I had a fear of talking to people. I can talk to people once they break the ice, but if I haven't broken the ice, I'm, I'm very fearful of it. And I said, well, 
if I want something that I've never had, then I have to do something that I've never done. And in this case, mm -hmm. I did it as simple as I started talking to people. And I was on a business trip, two business trips recently, and I met this lady who was reading a meditation book next to me. And I was like, oh, I could probably talk to her, maybe not. She might want to get, she might get annoyed. And the old me would have probably retreated and not talked to her. And I was like, damn it, no, we're going to do this. And we ended up talking about meditation, yoga, and life coaching for the entire three-hour flight. And I didn't even know the plane was on approach until it hit the ground, the wheels hit the ground. <laughs> and it was an amazing conversation, but I would never have done that if I didn't push through my wall of fear. I had another one where I was on, the, on an airplane, and we talked for four-hour flight. It was an international flight over the Atlantic, and we talked from England to Iceland, and I hadn't done anything other than talk to the guy next. Wow. Wow. I love that. Push through your wall of fear. Know that what you feel during that flight and fight moment is a real response, but think about your why, think about your result, and take that next step to get you closer to that result. I think your example, your story, and just those two uh, deep moments on the flight things we all experience, very uncomfortable situations. I think you connected that message home that we have to be willing to push through that wall of fear, connect with what we want the most, and then take a step in that direction. Well, Ben, I appreciate your time, and I thank you for all you shared. I'm so blown away by your problem-solving strategies. I think many of our listeners, myself included, will take that as something to apply and make real in our lives, better quality questions, better quality results. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I'm glad that I had the opportunity to share it. All right, well, thank you again for being on the podcast and agreeing to share your expertise from business to life and your passion for coaching veterans and connecting them to what's next in their lives. And if anyone's looking to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at, at Ben Colloy, K-I-L-L-O-Y, or my uh, website where I blog is bencolloy.com or truepurpose4life.com. Can you run through that one more time to make sure our listeners yep. connect with at you? Twitter is uh, at Ben Colloy, B-E-N-K-I-L-L-O-Y. Mm -hmm. And uh, my website is either bencolloy.com or truepurpose4, the number four, life. Com. Okay. Thank you, Ben. And we'll make sure we include your Twitter in our show notes. Awesome. All right. Thank you again and have an amazing day. And let me know if I can help you in your process just as you've helped me. I will. Supporting veterans is what we do. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.